You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. All right. How's it going, Grace Family Church? Yeah, I'm fired up. I welcome all the campuses and especially our Ebor campus. Good to have you guys with us. And those of you that are watching online, and I know some of you already disappointed last service. I was getting ready to go, oh, I thought it was Ken Ham today. I said, no, it's me. And they went, okay. <laughs> so hopefully I'll try to do something here, okay? Um, but you know, this, we're excited about this series called Truth Over Trend. We really wanna, uh, we wanna build foundations in our life. See, this entire series, our, our goal is to equip you, to encourage you, to challenge you, to, to help you build the right foundation on the authority of, of what we believe is the, the only foundation, the Word of God. And I know that, that, that where do you start? You, you have to go back to the, to the beginning, right? You gotta go back to the roots. And in fact, a lot of people are very interested in, in this idea of the beginnings and where do I come from? Because you know, ancestry.com, a lot of people have got on that. You know, who are my ancestors? Ancestors, and and because I think I think that knowing your origins helps you go. Okay, this is who I am, and and so there's a, a craving in people's hearts to know the beginning. In fact, Ecclesiastes says that eternity is put in the hearts of people, and that we're all looking for. Man, what is my did? What is my purpose? Who am I? And 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 there's a lot of questions. In the next six weeks, we're gonna. Uh, I believe answer and give you a, a biblical uh, viewpoint. So I'm really, I'm really pumped about it. But when you think about foundations, I, I think about hurricanes. How many remember 2018? Hurricane Michael hit Mexico Beach in a panhandle. And uh, this is the before the storm. Looks nice and pretty. But then after the storm. Devastation. Many, many homes were wiped out, but there's one right here. Look at it, one house still standing. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe. We all want that house, don't we? We all want that house. And when you think about that house, you know the story behind it is a man that built that house. It took a lot more time, a lot more work, because he went a lot deeper, and he built these pilings that went 30 feet into the ground until they hit some rock. And he had like 18 of them. And that's what the house was built on. And when the storms and the winds and the hurricane came, like a rock, still standing. I wonder if that's what we want about our lives. I mean, that's what we want. We want when the storms of life come, we want to still be standing. And, and we're going to talk about the firm foundations of that. In fact, we know that when you build on the right foundation, it protects uh, your house, it protects your family, it protects your convictions. And when you build on the wrong foundation, it, it puts your house in danger of collapsing. When I use the word house, I'm talking about your life. Maybe if you're married, your family, your kids, the, the foundation is so critical and so important. And I know this, that storms are coming to all of us. You know, I mean, storms might be coming to you today, but and you're over here going, man, I'm, I'm having a great life, but the storm's coming to you tomorrow. Because the, the storms are coming. The question I ask all of us, are we prepared? Are you prepared for the storm? What kind of foundation do you have? Jesus addresses this in a parable in Matthew 7. Read it together with me. This is Jesus speaking. 
He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, everyone say practice. You don't just hear them. You actually put them into practice. It says, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. This is the outcome every one of us want. Whether you believe in God or not, this is the, found, this is the outcome we want. But then Jesus says, but. When he says, but, you better pay attention. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What's interesting is I wrote in my notes, there's a lot of church people that hear the words of Jesus but never put them into practice. Think about that. We hear the word, we know the word, we, we hear it, but in, in, in 28 years of grace, I have seen people. They come in and they're hearing the word, but then the storms and the winds come and the challenge of life come and, and their house begins to crumble and fall. And I wonder, what were they doing for those 28 years? I mean, were they just kind of getting their Starbucks and yeah, this is cool, or were they going, wait, those words that I've been hearing those truths, those principles, I need to actually apply them in my life every day to build the right foundation. What's what's scary to me is we can hear the word and still possibly have our house collapse. We can be in church, but if we're just hearing it and not putting it into practice, we become like that other man who Jesus says was foolish. So I, I know it's already intense. I, I, I wanted to, uh, but I, I tell you, this is important that we build the right foundation. The right foundation will preserve and protect your home. Storms are coming to all of us. Are we prepared? I know this about sand. When you build something on sand, anyone ever build a sand castle? I have. I, I do it with my grandkids. You build them, and they're really cool looking, aren't they? How long do they last? To the next high tide. Right? That's what happens. And they, and they wash away. Man, I hope, I hope, I hope that we're not building the most important things in our life on sand. I hope we're building it on the rock. So your, your, your house is your life. It's your family. It's your kids. If you're married, it's your values. It's your convictions. And you know what's trending right now since this, since this is Truth over trend. You know what's trending right now that was an ideology that didn't even exist three or four years ago? And it's this phrase that you hear a lot called, well, let me tell you, my truth. How many hear that one? My truth. And it sounds innocent. It sounds sincere. But the problem is that my truth, it clashes with what Jesus claimed. And Jesus in John 14, 6 probably makes one of the most controversial statements, at least in today's world, because people that believe my truth struggle with what Jesus proclaims here. And this is what we got to wrestle with here. Jesus says this, Jesus answered, I am the way. He didn't say I'm part of the way or one of the ways, or hey, there's many ways. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm not one of the truths, part of the, I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have to deal with this Jesus guy. 
either he was a liar and he isn't God, he was just another prophet or some guy, and we're gonna hear about that in one of the sessions in the next five or six weeks. Is Jesus God? Is he God? Then he is the truth. If he isn't God, then yeah, I guess your truth is cool. But that's what we wrestle with. You see, in Jesus, he says there's, there's no middle ground. There's not two plus two is four, it's not five, right? It's, it's something that it's either true or it isn't true. Listen, here's what's important. They both can't be true. My truth and the truth, something, they can't both be true. And so what is my truth? I started thinking about it, at least my thoughts on my truth. I know my truth is based on being, it's, it's, it's subjective. My truth is subjective to what? First of all, my, my personal feelings, right? And that the truth? Well, it's my truth. This is what I feel. You ever had to talk to This is what I feel. And I believe that this is what I believe. And my wealth of experience of life of 22 years or 50 years or 80, this is what I feel. This is what I'm thinking and feeling. You know the problem with that is? I don't know about you. I've been alive for 65 years. And I have enough time to look back on my feelings. And a lot of my feelings were wrong. (laughs) I can look back and go, man, I felt bad, but that was really wrong. Or how about sincerity? Man, I was so sincere. I was sincerely believe. Have you, anybody ever sincerely believe something and 10 years later you realize, man, I was sincerely wrong. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, I sincerely believed at 16, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And you realize you were sincerely wrong, right? 10 years, man, I'm glad I was sincerely wrong, right? Some, anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> so, so we have this idea that it's about my personal feelings and then there's another kind of uh, my truth. It's, it's based on my situation. See, my situation is different than yours. So what you're saying maybe is wrong. It's not wrong for me because my situation is different. It's called situational ethics. And I remember when Debbie and I were uh, new Christians and married and, and we had a three and a four-year-old at the time. Or I think they were four and five, but they were, and, 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 and we, we were going to go to Bush Gardens one day and I went by to see my mother before we went and my mom tried to give me the talk. She goes, look, Craig, Debbie, I know you're Christians, but you're taking this thing way too far. I said, what are you talking about, Mom? Well, you know, they say that if your kids are three and under, that they don't have to pay at, at, at Bush Gardens. And your kids are four and five, but they don't know that. And, and Bush Gardens, they make a lot of money. They, they, they make so much money, they're not going to miss it. And you guys don't have a lot of money. So situationally, I think it's okay to cheat. Pretty much is what she was trying to say. Bless my mom. She just cared for me, right? But you know, that gets in your mind enough. Situationally, you start thinking, you know what? Yeah, it's not cheating because this situation is different. Do you see how that can slip in to things in our lives? So it's subject to my situation and my truth is also subjected to cultural trends. Oh, absolutely. I mean, man, when the majority says it's true, then we believe it's true. Right? It's got to be true because a lot of people believe this, so it has to be true. You know, 80%, not, this is because this is what I've heard for a long time, it must be true. So we allow cultural trends to begin to maybe trump what we we know it's true. Or, or, and so that's subjective to my truth. It's subjective to culture. It's subjective to situation and personal feelings. The bottom line is my truth has no fixed position. 
It's always changing. It's always shifting. It's always evolving. The path I was on, now I'm on this path. What I thought was true then, well, this isn't true. I was, I'm going to go down this way. And this, this my truth is, is unstable. It's always going a different direction. It evolves and changes. Anybody in this room or one of our campuses would agree, things that you thought five years ago you don't think are true today. Because my truth, right? I mean, I, I, listen, I had a good friend of mine who... Um, had a revelation one day. He said, Craig, I'm, I'm a vegan now. I said, man, good, that's great. I mean, I have nothing wrong with vegans. Man, that's you, that's awesome. He said, I said, what triggered? He goes, well, I watched this animal show and uh, they're, all the way they kill animals and it's terrible. And I said, man, good for you, really. I mean, that's what you want to do. That's great. He goes, yeah, man, I just think it's the way and to go. And, and, and he was kind of like, you know, Craig, you really need to check this out. I said, man, good for you, but I'm really, you know, and, and so I, I'm going, man, good for you. So about three or four years later, I hadn't seen him in a while, I'm at a barbecue place, and there he is, man, chowing down on some ribs. <laughs> I said to him, I'm terrible. I said, I didn't know vegans can eat ribs. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of vegans, trust me. I'm not. What I'm trying to say is his view, his philosophy changed. It, it just changed. It evolved, it changed for whatever reasons. And, and so my truth, it's always shifting. It's always changing over time. And the Bible warns us against this idea of my truth. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way. There is a way that appears to be right. It appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. See, well, I, it appears right. I, I think it's right. This is what I feel. I'm feeling this is the right Way, but the Bible says, listen, you could base it on those things, it, it could lead to death, it could lead to destruction in your life. Proverbs 12, 15 says it this way: the way of fools seems right. You can put the word feels right to them, but the wise listen to advice. It, it warns us, man, if we're gonna go by what we think and what we feel, you know why? Because we're finite beings. We don't know it all, we don't understand it all. We, we're looking through the, the peephole of life. And there's a bigger, uh, God is so much bigger than that. He's infinitely wise and, and knows what's best for us. So when I think about this, I, I think of Proverbs 3, and it says, trust in the Lord with part of your heart, just part of it. You know, there's parts of it I can't trust God in because that part of the truth doesn't make sense to me. Now, I trust him about heaven and, and forgiveness, but no, 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 not that part. I can't trust the Lord about that part, because it just seems too controversial. But Jesus says, the word says, I mean, trust in of all your heart. Lean not on your own. It says, lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say, you know what? Just, you got a lot of, you're a pretty smart guy. If you can't figure it out, then you can talk to God about it. You know, no, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Man, I tell you, it's so important. In, in all the ways, man, God, my parenting ways, my financial ways, my marriage ways, my dating ways, my, I need to learn to go, okay, God, I, I need to submit to your ways, because Lord, you're, you're all wise and all knowing. See, that's what it means to trust the Lord. We trust that his way is the better way. And that's, that's a wrestling match that we have. Am I gonna trust God's word or man's word? There's always two paths, right? What path am I really gonna go on? And then he goes on and says, 
and he will make your path straight. I love straight paths. If you know, if dude, I do a lot of hiking. And let me tell you something, when you're hiking some mountains and you gotta go back and forth to get to the, man, I like a straight path. And, and some of us, because we've been basing our lives on my truth, man, you've been going on this path and this path, going around this way, and you're just, you're, you're, you're wandering and it's shifting and it's changing and you're confused and, and, and you just, you feel so insecure, you feel unstable because you're depending on my truth. And, and Jesus says there's, there's a better way, I'm telling you, there's a better way. And I want to talk about the difference. There's a huge difference between God's truth, the truth, and my truth. Did you know that? Here's the difference. God's truth is totally different. God's truth, number one, is objective. Okay, object. what does objective mean? It means, which means it exists independent of what you think or feel. It's not based on what you think. It's not based on what you feel. It's independent of that. That's God's truth. Now, let me explain it to you this way. And, and we believe it's the authority of God's word, but let me explain it this way. I love, anyone loves Scrabble? I like playing Scrabble. My wife and I, we're very competitive. It's terrible. I mean, we're supposed to have bonding time playing a game, and we end up getting a fight sometimes because we, we're so competitive. But, but the last seven times playing Scrabble, my wife has won every time. Now, don't woohoo about that. I'm not happy about it. Okay, I, I heard that. So here's the deal. But we started setting up rules for Scrabble years ago because we take it seriously. ESPN should be covering our Scrabble games. And so years ago, I said, look, Debbie, we got, we, I, but this is a word. It's not a word, but I feel like it's a word. I said, no, we finally had to take the Scrabble dictionary. It's, there's an official Scrabble dictionary, and that's the final authority on any word that goes on that board. And if you challenge the word, and if the word is not in the Scrabble dictionary, that word must be removed from the board and you lose your turn. <laughs> True, that's how Scrabble works. And so we have the book, it's called the Scrabble Dictionary. It's amazing how we take that more seriously than the book, the authority of God's word. Well, I feel, and I'm not what I feel. It, it, it exists independent of what I feel. And, and, and we get really legalistic, by the way. I, we, my wife, because I like having a time limit, like you get two minutes. I don't know why I'm doing this, two minutes. And, and after two minutes, if you don't put a word down, you lose your turn. You know, and I remember that stopwatch going one time, my wife, you're rushing me. I'm not rushing you. It's, it's objective. It's not me. It's the time clock. We agreed on two minutes. You're making me feel bad. I'm not making you feel bad. That's the time we decided on. Anyway, I'm getting off my subject. I'm sorry. Keep going. It must be objective. Amen. So here it is. Psalm says this. As for God, his way is perfect. He just comes out and says it. Now, I, I understand you can argue with that. Some of us maybe are not sure what we believe. His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Sweet. That's what he says. Man's word, God's word. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? He's going, hey, there is no other gods. Who is God beside the Lord? Now, this is his declaration. And who is the rock except our God? Deuteronomy says, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. We struggle with that too. Are all God's ways just? There are certain things that I still struggle with. I have to admit with you. I admit to you. All God's ways are just. I don't understand some of the suffering in the world. How about you? 
There's some challenging things. We have to kind of go, okay, God, I, I have to trust you in this one because I don't understand it all. So his truth is objective. Number two, God's truth is universal. What does that mean? It means it applies everywhere to all people. It apl- what is something that's a universal truth? Natural law. There's a natural law called gravity. How many know that gravity works in Tampa, Florida, just as well as it works in Indonesia? It doesn't matter. You go to Tampa, Hawaii, China, Russia, Indonesia. You can go to Ghana. You can go in South Africa. And gravity, the law of gravity is universal. God's word is the same thing. God's truth is universal. That's what he says. He says this in Isaiah 54. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. Here it is. He is called the God of, come on, everyone say it, all the earth. He's not just the God of Israel. He's the God of all the earth. So he claims to be universal. John 3, 16. For God so loved what? The world. The whole world. Aren't you glad God loves the whole world? He didn't just love this part of the world or that part of the world. He loves the whole world. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What I love about Christianity, it's not exclusive, it's inclusive. Whoever believes. Man, that's the good news. Whoever believes. Any part of the world, no matter what your background, what you've done, whoever believes. Man, I love that. So God's truth is also eternal. What does that mean? It's unchanging. It's constant. It doesn't change. God said it. People used to have this bumper sticker. sticker. God said it. I believe it. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. God said it. He said it. It's already established. God's word, God's truth. He says in Psalms, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. We can question it down here on earth all we want. But he says, it stands firm in heaven. Nothing's moving God from his word. No one's going to change God's mind, God's will, or God's word. They can try to. But he says, no, my word has already been established in heaven. Ecclesiastes says this, and I know that wherever God does, whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. How do you know there's a lot of adding and taking away sometimes in these days? Then he says, God's purpose is that people should fear him. And that fear means respect him, respect his word, respect his truth. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, I love that. You know what I like about that? That Jesus never changes. His moods don't change. You know, he's not fickle. He doesn't love you today, and after you go down Del Mabry and and give someone some sign language and kick your dog and yell at your wife. His love hasn't changed for you. Now, we have a struggle with that sometimes, but listen, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is a faithful, loving, consistent God. I love, he is the same yesterday, today. You know, when I think about the God's truth, what it means to me personally, it, it, brings, this, it brings order in my life. There's order. I, I, I know that this is a fixed thing. It doesn't change. God isn't changing his mind about me. You know, it brings security in my life. I'm not worried about sometimes, because sometimes I feel that God doesn't love me. Anyone ever feel that way? 
You have a bad day, a bad week, and just, you just haven't been the person you know you should be. And these feelings come over you, this condemnation comes over you that says, man, you just no good. But you know what? When I understand who he is, that he's fixed and he doesn't change, it brings security in my life. I feel secure. You know, I, I think about the idea of, of, of harmony in my life, that I, I, don't have to, I don't have to understand all that's going on to know that God has a plan from the beginning to the end, harmony. There's a, there, he's my refuge. Or he, God brings clarity. I don't have to be confused. Listen, I'm not a smart person. I'm not that smart, but I, I'm not confused because my trust, my faith, my foundation is based on God's truth. And God's truth is very clear about a lot of things. It's very clear about morality. It's very clear about my marriage with my wife. It's very clear about how I should parent my children. God's word is very clear about how I should manage my finances. God is very clear about how I should treat people. I have absolute clarity because I trust his truth. It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on a situation. It's not based on what culture's trying to tell me. And it just brings clarity. And you know what clarity does for me? It gives me peace. Man, it's chaos right now. But I, I have a peace. It, it, the clarity, it's like, it's not should I forgive someone. God says, as I've forgiven you, forgive others. There's such clarity in going, okay. Now, the only time I get uncomfortable where I don't have peace is when I don't align with God's truth. When God's saying one thing and I'm doing another, that's when I don't have peace. That's called the Holy Spirit who wants to bring conviction and bring direction in our lives. And I, that's just what it does for me. 2 Timothy 3.16, here's what it says. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture, not part of it, not the part that you like and the part that you don't like isn't inspired. See, there's parts of scripture that believers don't like because it may inconvenience your life because it's challenging you to maybe live a certain way. See, all scripture is inspired by God. And you know, they said at Gallup poll the other day, I was shocked that people who claim to be Christians, only 60% of them believe that all scripture is inspired. They think part of it is, but part of it is like, whatever, it's old-fashioned, or God doesn't know what he's saying. These are Christians. Think about that. Firm foundation. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful. What's it useful for? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You know, the Bible says the word of God is like a mirror. And when we put that mirror up to ourselves, it gives us, it, it kind of, you know, it reflects some things that maybe we need to work on. You know, it's a, it's, it's a mirror. I, I, I don't have one of these mirrors. It, it scared me one day. Uh, I walked in my bathroom, my wife, were, and she had one of these magnifying mirrors. All you girls have one, right? I had never looked into one of those before. I looked in that thing. It scared me, man. I saw things in my face I never knew were there. I mean, I thought it looked pretty good from far away. But you get up in that magnifying mirror and I go, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm just telling you. The word of God, it's a good mirror. It's not to beat you up, but it's, but it's to help us. God's word. Jesus says, I'm the cornerstone. I'm the, I'm the chief cornerstone. I'm, I'm the foundation. And to set up this whole series, the next five weeks, we're going to be asking you a question probably every week. Do I trust and believe God's word? Or man's word, even when God's word is hard 
to trust because of current culture and conditions. So, so we, we're gonna be talking about God's word or man's word. And if, if there's one thing I would like you to, 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 to leave with, this one statement, here's what I believe more than anything. The posture that we need to have, if we're gonna build a firm foundation in our lives, that when the winds and the storms come, it, it needs to be set up like this. We need to put ourselves, important, under the authority of God's word, not over it. Not over it. There's a lot of people, they, I didn't believe God's word, but parts that don't believe, well, look, this is what I believe. I don't believe he really means that. You put yourself over the word. We submit ourselves, we, we come under God's word. And even when there's things we don't understand, because I don't understand all of God's truth, all of God's words, all of God's ways. His ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. You know why? Because I'm a finite being and he's infinite. And that, that's the part, I think, as believers, we, we need to, when we don't understand, we hate hearing this, but that's when we really do have to have faith. Faith that he's a good God. Faith that God knows what he's doing. Faith that in the beginning, God existed. God has a plan. He has a blueprint for our lives and for this world. And, and that's where we need to rest. And we, put, we need to put ourselves under the authority of God's word. You know, in Job 35, verse four, they're gonna put it on the screen. It's very interesting. Because this, this is what happens to us. They're gonna leave it up there. And let me tell you, many of us know the story of Job. It's not a fun story to read. At least the first few chapters isn't. Because Job goes through tremendous loss. He loses family. He loses his health. He loses his wealth. He loses everything. And for the next 35 chapters, 34 chapters, he's, he's struggling. Would you struggle a little bit? Would your faith be struggling a little? Oh, yeah. And he's going, God, I, I believe you and I trust you, but man, this is, this is hard. And, and he has some questions for God. And finally, in verse 34, verse 1, I think it starts out like this. Now, Job, shut up and brace yourself like a man because I'm gonna talk to you. And, this, and he begins, and I encourage you to go read all of Job 34, and he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. And he goes on, all of chapter 34, all of chapter 35, I think, and he talks about the foundations and, and what is this, it's the most amazing uh, passage of scripture. And at the end of that, Job and Job 40, after six chapters of hearing God's wisdom poured out, and he never answers this question, by the way, of why did I have to suffer? At, at the end of that, in Job 40, Job, after hearing all this, says, God, I'm so sorry, I should have just shut my mouth. That's what he says. He goes, God, you are, you are almighty, and I, and, I, and I do trust you. And I know that's not the answer we want to hear sometimes, but that he, was trying to, he was trying to let Job know, man, I am way bigger than you and I got this thing under control. See, Hebrews 11 says this, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith we understand it. Now, we're gonna give you a lot of evidence, by the way, the next few weeks of how God did it, but by faith we understand it. So what is seen, everything we see, the stars, the planets, the moon, everything you see, was not made out of what was visible. So when God started in the beginning, and they're gonna go do a way better job than I am in this next moment, God took 
nothing and created everything. It boggles my mind. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is this true? God's word or man's word? Uh, but we've been hearing a whole different narrative, haven't we, for a long time. I wanna ask you a question. How much has my truth, I'm talking about your truth, influenced your life, your foundation, your children, your house? Because here's the challenge I want us to think about. Let's don't mix my truth with God's truth. Because what that does, it begins to erode the foundation. So there's my truth and there's God's truth. You're gonna have to choose a foundation you wanna build your life on, whether you're 25 or 55 or 75. And some of you maybe are going, man, I, I built on the wrong foundation. I'm that house, man. It had a great fall. You know the good news is? You can build a new one. We have a God that redeems, a God that restores, a God that can re reconstruct your life. So there's hope, no matter where you're at, there's hope for you today. But the question again is this, choose your foundation. What's your foundation gonna be? God's truth or man's truth? Think about it, they're gonna put that back, there it is again on the screen. Man, which foundation? This foundation of this house or the other ones that apparently had very unstable foundations? Because we do know this. Storms are coming. We just want you to be prepared. We want you to take an intentional step towards saying, God, I want to trust your word wholeheartedly in my life, in my family, with my kids, if I'm single, in my life. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about God's truth and your purpose and your identity and how we can trust the Bible as reliable and why we can believe that Jesus is God and is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to talk about a lot of these things, so I don't want you to miss it. All campuses, man, don't miss one of these weeks. It's going to be incredible. We're going to, we're going to have a good time. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray for those who have a shaky foundation. And Lord, they know it. Help them, God, to begin to build a firm foundation on your truth. Help us, God, not just to hear your word, but to practice your word, to put it into our everyday lives. Lord, I pray for those whose houses have already had maybe a great fall and they feel discouraged and downtrodden. God, give them hope that they can start building a new house with you as the chief cornerstone. Lord, that they would put their faith and their trust and their hope in you, Jesus. You are the truth. We're gonna trust you, Lord. Be that firm foundation, God. Help us to take a step towards you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.